everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Okay, yeah, so if anyone has anything live, fire away. But I will try and get through as many on the question post as possible. So the first one is from Alison, and she says, Hi, if you are trying to build muscle, could you please explain how lifting low reps, heavy weights versus high reps, light weights, will they both build muscle i want to challenge a comment my husband has made thank you oh i wonder what the comment was and i wonder who i'm about to be backing but from the current research we have we know that the primary driver of building muscle or hypertrophy is volume so that would mean that you could create the total volume lifting lighter weights for more reps or lifting heavier weights for less reps And the reason that we kind of have this quote unquote like hypertrophy or muscle building rep range is because it's usually easiest to create the most volume in a kind of middle rep range, somewhere between about eight eight to 12 reps or something, tends to be where you can lift actually a decent amount of weight for a decent amount of reps, which makes it the easiest rep range to create the most volume. And that's what's going to stimulate building the most muscle, assuming you're doing all the other things right. So yes, you can do it in either way, but actually like with most things, the middle ground is probably the best way to do it. At the extreme end of high reps, you're probably going to be um, contributing maybe like a little bit more to endurance type adaptations as opposed to hypertrophy type adaptations so I think there is a caveat to this I think it still has to be 30-ish percent of your one rep max or you could think of it as like 30 or less reps so if you're like oh I could just lift really light weights for 50 reps one you'll probably get quite bored counting to 50 numerous times but two that's probably going to start pushing more to like um, endurance adaptations as opposed to hypertrophy adaptations. So that's why your programs are programmed the way they are. But also hopefully that helps with your debate with your husband. Okay, Becky. Hi, Emma. I saw a lipid specialist last week as I have high cholesterol. It was tested in December because my blood pressure was slightly up and it was 11.9. So I was referred to a specialist for further investigation. I've managed to reduce it to 8.7 with all your help on the EC method but I'm now being told I need to start taking statins and will be the highest dose to bring down to a safe level as soon as possible. I'm a little apprehensive about this after reading the possible side effects, i.e. muscle pain, weight gain. What is your views on this? Is there anything I would need to do differently from an EC method um, point of view? Any advice would be much appreciated. Okay, so a few things here. If your doctor's telling you to take statins, listen to your doctor. Secondly, please, I mean... My advice would generally be about these things like don't read the side effects because they're far more likely to come true if you read them. And there's a whole book on this. Like, If you want to read up on this, go and read The Expectation Effect. And it's such an interesting book. 
But one of the things it does highlight is that people, and it's something ridiculous, like 500 times more likely to experience side effects of medication if they know what the side effects are. So part of it is like the nocebo effects. Um, so be aware of that. Also note that a lot of medications have even conflicting side effects to them. So you might be like, this can cause weight gain, but also can cause weight loss. And you're like, oh, that basically there's just so many things that can happen or they have to, I think there's like a legal requirement where if it's come up more than a certain amount of times, they have to write that it is a potential side effect. Now, statins are taken by so many people that like there are a large amount of side effects. So don't assume that you will experience that. And then I think we go with how you feel. So if you do end up getting some side effects, then cool, we'll help you manage those. And if we need to change any of your training, like also we will do that. So don't stress about it, but obviously definitely listen to your doctor. And statins are a pretty incredible drug um, and probably have saved many, many lives. So yes, I would just uh, follow doctor's advice. Would I need to change anything? No, but do make sure that your doctor knows what you're doing already and just make sure that they're, they're happy for you to continue resistance training and doing what you're doing okay jessica hi emma two questions one any good suggestions for food pre 6 a.m training i train at 6 a.m most days either strength or crossfit session and i find i'm struggling um with a with a lack of energy but struggle to get up early enough to have full breakfast before training okay so you can do this in a numerous numerous in a numerous number of ways in a number of different ways I used to train very early and although it wasn't CrossFit it was rowing so it was something that you needed a fair bit of energy for and rather than eat in the morning which would mean waking up at like half four to then digest by the time that you could actually you know so you didn't feel sick while you were exercising um I would just have a bigger meal the night before and remember that you know if you have a decent sized meal the night before then go to bed and sleep and then get up and train like your muscle glycogen stores haven't gone anywhere during the night they might deplete a tiny bit but like you will still have a lot of energy there to give so I would try that if you don't want to eat beforehand if you do want to eat beforehand then try and and this would be a little bit of trial and error like what can you stomach what doesn't make you feel unwell during the workout probably will depend on what what wad you have that day and how lacticky that is, um, which I know that most places or a lot of places you don't know before you go. So it would be trying things out. There isn't really a right or wrong thing. It's just what suits you and what suits your digestion. I'd probably go for something easy on the stomach and carby would probably be my go-to for that. Um, okay. The second part of the question thoughts on beta alanine. I already take creatine daily, but some of the guys at my box take beta alanine and say it's good as an additional supplement. It actually might be for CrossFit. So the way that beta alanine works is it helps you buffer lactate buildup. So the acidity, um, which has been shown to improve performance, but improve performance in quite specific areas. So like areas where you are working very anaerobically to the point that you would have a lot of lactate buildup. So maybe something like some CrossFit workouts for a lot of other people, it won't be necessary. And most people supplement beta alanine wrong. 
And I think it's usually because people put it in pre-workouts to make you feel like something is happening. So the other thing that can happen is your skin goes quite tingly. This is why I don't like it. Like that's a horrible feeling to me, but some people quite like it. And I guess if you've taken something and then you can immediately feel something, then you're usually you think, oh, well, this must be working because I can literally feel my skin tingling. So that's probably one of the benefits of beta alanine as well, that it might work better as a placebo. But what you really want to be doing is quite like creatine, really taking it every day instead of just like randomly on the occasion that you take a pre-workout. It's not really going to, it doesn't work in such a short term time period. It's more about increasing the stores that you have. So you could try it and see if you, I would do, if you are going to try it, and this goes for anyone trying a different supplement, I would do a little experiment on yourself. like how you know do a little how I feel at the moment what my performance levels are like how I feel after taking the supplement how long I've been taking it blah 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 um sorry that I'm pausing I just want to check that I'm uh definitely in the right group because we all know this has happened before okay right I think I am yeah okay we're good we're good we're good um I don't know now if I'm going to... Oh, sorry if this plays again. Okay, right, we're fine. Okay, Nikki. Hi, Emma. Firstly, thank you for answering my question about my uneven lats. I have started to do single arm to teach each... to teach my left side to engage more and I can feel the difference. My question is, my gym dumbbells go up to 2.5 kilograms. Go... Oh, sorry, go up in. I was going to say, Wow. <laughs> Heavy, heavy dumbbells at that gym. Right, they go up in 2.5 kilograms, which is often too much of an increase when I need to go up in weight. Should I add an extra set at the current weight or add reps? Thank you in advance. It doesn't really matter. Um, I would probably add some reps and then maybe, yeah, you want to add a set and soon you will be able to lift at the heavier weight. But let's say you wanted to get 10 reps with 10 kilograms and actually moving up to 12 and a half meant you couldn't get 10 reps. Let's see if you can get like, 12 reps or 15 reps and then you'll probably be at a point where you could get the 10 reps with the 12.5 kilograms so yeah I would push the reps a little bit whether you want to do that as an extra set or just add reps to your current um sets it doesn't hugely make a difference um okay maybe I should advance okay right I'm wondering if someone can help with the modifications to the glute ham combo I don't have an exercise ball. Um, is there another part to do the hamstring part? And I've said, not directly unless you have a band. And you've said, yes, I have a band. How do I incorporate this instead of using a ball? So you can do lying hamstring curls with a resistance band. The best thing to do, like I used to do it just tied around the bottom of my couch because it had like a leg. It's a little bit awkward to get into, but once you're in it, like it's actually very, very effective and works your hamstrings really, really well. So I would try that. I have a video, which I will try and find and post for you. If I don't remember, please tag me and I will make sure I go find it. Okay. Oh, in fact, I'll write it here. Um, tag video hamstring. Okay. Sarah, absolutely loving the support of this group and Emma and Emma haven't weighed myself daily for absolutely years already noticing just how much the scales fluctuate on a daily basis after just three days 
fluctuations have been crazy. 68.5, 67.3, 67.7, weighing at the same weighing at the same time first thing in the morning before any food or drink. Yeah, this is what people, I think, misinterpret when we say like weigh yourself daily. We're not talking about obsessing over the scales daily. In fact, we're almost encouraging you to do the complete opposite of that, which is realize that they fluctuate every day independently really of what you're doing. Like it's not a direct correlation to you're in deficit state or you're not in a deficit state. Certainly not over a couple of days. And that kind of frees you from worrying so much about these like short-term fluctuations. And a lot of people find that actually weighing themselves daily really benefits their relationship with the scales because they see it in a more like rational way. Um, Shona, this week, oh, let me just read more. Okay, this week isn't going great. I've had an impromptu meal out last night and I didn't have calories for it. I feel sluggish and yuck today. Couldn't do the run I had planned and I have already eaten too many calories for breakfast. How do I pick myself up and carry on and get back that feeling I had a few days ago of motivation? So this, oh, I think Amelia just dropped something. Um, this is totally normal. And I would say inevitable, like when it comes to your fitness journey or your fat loss journey or your dieting journey, or basically your life, right? It's never going to go perfectly. There will always be times where, whether you want to call it like slip up or fall off track or eat a little bit more than you had planned or impromptu things come up. Like that's life. And actually that's kind of the excitement of life as well. Like if everything was exactly the same, if your diet was completely perfect every single day, it would be so boring. But what's most important is when you feel like this to get yourself back on track rather than to wallow and then let it spiral. And it's hard because when you're in this situation, your mind is kind of telling you like one side of the story and kind of giving you an excuse to just keep going down that negative path. And actually what you want to do is flip that round. And the best suggestion that I can give is self-compassion. So like accept that this happens to everyone, like common humanity. We all, all go through this, right? We all have trip ups with our diet we all have trip ups with our exercise we all have impromptu meals out that didn't go exactly to plan but the most important part is to forgive yourself after that and be like yeah I'm human this is fine imperfect action I'm going to get back on track when I can like essentially it's doing the best I can when I can and not allowing slip-ups to derail me and trust me the most successful people aren't the people that never have slip-ups they are the people that are like oh yeah last night didn't go to plan but I'm going to make sure today does and I'm not going to let it spiral and I'm not going to guilt myself and shame myself. And there's really cool research on this. I think it was a study on, I think it was college students, but it doesn't really matter. And they gave both groups of students a donut to eat. And then they had what well, they termed it a self-compassion intervention. Like it's really simple. It was literally just reminding people essentially of one of the principles of self-compassion, which is common humanity. So they said, you know, like a lot, we all eat donuts from time to time. It's not a big deal. And the other group got no intervention. And the group that got that small intervention or essentially just that sentence, that reminder that this is normal, this is part of life and there's no, nothing to beat yourself up about, up about. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you greedy. It doesn't mean that you've ruined everything. Those people then ate far less when they were given, and they called it candy because it's an American study, but when they were given like as much candy as they wanted to try, the people who had the compassion intervention ate far less 
even though they weren't told how much to eat, right? Neither group were told how much to eat, but the group that actually did a little bit of work, self-compassion, ended up eating less. So it's funny because normally we think actually like guilting ourselves or shaming ourselves into change. And actually, if we're too kind to ourselves and we just say, you know what, last night happened, I'm going to move on then actually we'll let ourselves off with more and more and more. And, and the opposite is true. Actually forgiving yourself and moving on is the answer. What makes you spiral is holding on to that and, ma- and making it mean something about you and then being stuck in this negative headspace. So I think today just focus on, okay, this morning didn't go perfectly, but th- again, most people will then think, well, I'll start again tomorrow because I've already messed up the morning. No, no, like, your next chance to get back on track is now is your next meal is your going for a walk is like I don't know doing your morning routine even though it's past the time that you would normally do it like just a little action in the direction of your goal in fact you've shown up to this live there's an action in the direction of your goal um good morning Tracy Tash I pulled my back on Monday been in so much pain since and not able to dress drive go to work oh not getting my steps in, I can barely walk, not been working out, just want to cry into lots of KF. Oh, lots of pasta. (laughs) Any ideas on staying positive? (sighs) That's really tough. And I've been in a similar position. I don't, like, it's not a time to stay positive, like allow yourself, like being in pain is horrible, right? Doesn't mean you have to be mega negative, but probably isn't a huge positive spin to put on that. And I think forcing positivity when things are really tough and when you are in a lot of pain and when you just want to cry also isn't particularly helpful. So like allow yourself to cry, but also remind yourself like maybe this is a good time to kind of write down what you know is going to make you feel better and what you know isn't. Like I highly doubt, aside from the 10 minutes that you're eating the pasta, the huge bowl of pasta, I mean, some pasta, absolutely fine. But let's say from the 10 minutes that you are actually physically overeating, that's probably the only benefit you're going to get from overeating. And then after it, you're probably going to feel even worse. So kind of reminding yourself on that of that, like long-term, what am I going to be grateful for? I'm going to be pretty grateful that I, you know, took time out to make sure my back was better, that I gave myself some self-compassion, that I maybe had a warm bath. I still tried to keep moving because that is the best thing for backs. Even if you... I mean, obviously you'll know your own pain levels, but spending a lot of time like seated in the same position also stiffens things up. Obviously it sounds it's quite bad. So, like make sure you have seen a doctor as well. Even like, I know a lot of people are averse to painkillers and for various reasons they might be, but if that is something that you're willing to try, then actually taking some painkillers when you have a flare up like this is really useful just to allow you to keep moving. And that helps with the back as well. Um, but yeah, it will be probably pretty, pretty situation, a situation for a couple of days. Um, but hopefully it then eases up and I would try once you feel up to it, to focus on the things that you can do. And I think whenever I say this, a lot of people think, well, I can't do anything like even walking hurts. I'm like, no, no, I don't just mean exercise wise. Like you've shown up to this diet. That's great. Maybe you could plan your meals for the rest of the week. Maybe you could read that book that you said you were going to read, but you keep putting off because you never have time. Maybe you could plan that holiday for next year or you know, whatever you have coming up. Like use the time productively, listen to an audio book, blah, 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 do something with it. And then you can be like, okay, well, at least this positive came with this. At least I finished that book that I said I was going to finish. 
that's the way I get through back pain anyway. Um, okay, Charlotte. Hi, Emma. I really struggle to eat breakfast. Before I joined the EC method, I would usually not eat until around midday as I'm not hungry. Have a small meal and in the afternoon slash evening, I would overeat. Shall I just keep trying to eat breakfast so my body gets used to it? I'm 31, I'm five foot three inches, I'm 78 kilograms and I'm on a weight loss goal. I used to be relatively active. So starting by getting in 12,000 steps and some yoga for the first few weeks. Thank you. Okay, the latter of that sounds great. The start, and you've kind of identified this already, but the reason that you're overeating is because you're over-restricting. And if you haven't been eating breakfast for a very long time, then it would probably feel a little bit weird because you're not used to eating at that time of day. It would be very similar to me, like waking people up in the night and being like, why don't you eat something now? And they'd be like, oh, I'm not used to eating at this time, a bit strange. But once you get used to it, not suggesting that by the way, but once you get used to eating breakfast, your body will become accustomed to it. Like your hunger levels will rise before breakfast and you'll get used to doing that. And then what you will find is that you're much less likely to overeat in the evening because you've actually fueled your body during the day. Like I'm not surprised that you end up overeating in the evening if you don't have any breakfast and then you have a very small meal at midday and then you don't have anything till the evening and then you end up overeating. Like, of course, you've literally set yourself up for overeating. So I would like you've said here shall I just keep trying yeah like and find something that you enjoy eating or that that doesn't have to be a huge breakfast to start with but just something even that's quite consistent I didn't eat breakfast for a long time mainly because I had told myself and I thought that I was much more productive if I didn't eat breakfast but actually I realized it was more the faff of breakfast that was the unproductive part of it so like getting up and then like deciding what you're going to have and then preparing it and then washing it up. and then uh, So I ended up just being like, I'm just going to have a set breakfast. Like I will always have a high protein yogurt and a piece of fruit. So there's really no washing up, no tidying up, no thinking about it, no cognitive effort, effort there, which meant that that didn't affect productivity levels. So that might be something to consider, like at least initially just being like, this is what I'm going to have. And that's quite a good option, like piece of fruit, whatever's your favorite fruit and a high protein yogurt or something, then you know you're hitting your protein target. It's quick, it's easy, you don't really need to think about it. And I think that will really, really help with your fat loss goal because it's the overeating in the evening that's, that is gonna be the problem there. Okay, Lauren. Hi, Emma, just wanted to say a big thank you. I'm so happy to be back after having a wee boy nine weeks ago. The group is exactly what I needed to get back on track. The positivity and support is just as I remembered. Love you all. Oh, I'm so glad that you're back as well. And what is his name? I don't know if Chloe said the name yet. I'm definitely not going to say it because that would get me in trouble. Um, but we are very happy to have you here as well. Kanchan, hi all from Gran Canaria. Oh, Kanchan, I'm in Portugal. It's so nice here. I've never been to Lisbon before and it's so far been like 10 out of 10. And my flight yesterday was like perfect. I think I got, I chanced it a little bit and I got to the airport quite late, got through like my bag. I put 10 kilograms in was 9.9 kilograms straight through security. There wasn't even a queue. And then they opened up another lane, went straight through. And then like, as soon as I got through, it was like in two minutes, your gate will be whatever released. Went to the gate, got on flight. Like, oh, it was just a dream so easy like I don't want to jinx it for the way back but it was very very good 
Um, anyway, enough about me. Um, Emma, I just want to say thank you for your tips about training on holiday. First day here, I've been to the beach for a sunshine walk. Oh, sorry, sunrise walk. Beautiful. Then literally spent 20 minutes in the gym with supersets and now we're off for breakfast. Enjoy your travels too. Yeah, like then it's done. Done for the day. And also you're thinking about like, there is a time and a place for what Chloe calls like rowing versus sailing, right? Or like optimal versus just cruising. Like at the moment, are, are you going to be maximizing hypertrophy? No. Is that your goal while you're on holiday? No. Like you can get, but you'll be more than maintaining and you can absolutely get back to training at your hardest when you get back. But like 20 minutes of supersets, probably all that you need. Um, Amy, I totally resonate with the breakfast thing. This was me for 20, this was me, this was 20 years ago, sorry. This was me 20 years ago and it's now my favorite meal of the day. Yeah, I think it's just getting into routine. Like if you're not used to eating at that time and then, and you'll probably say, I'm just the kind of person that doesn't wake up hungry. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you don't normally eat breakfast at that time. And your ghrelin levels, which is the hormone that stim that stimulates short-term hunger. So it rises before a meal and then drops after a meal, you'll find that they habitually rise and drop at your normal meal times. So when you miss normal meal times, sometimes you kind of think, oh, I'm kind of past hunger. Like this hunger has has actually passed. Like if you're in a meeting over your lunch break and then it's like 3 p.m. And you're like, oh, I don't really even feel like lunch anymore. That's your ghrelin levels. Because they like rose at 12.30 when you normally have your lunch break and then they've, they've come down again. Um, okay, Kerry. Hey Emma, Lisbon looks beautiful. Very jealous. Finding it a bit tough to get going this week. Miles has chicken pox. Oh, and missed his first day of school. Oh no. Mm. Thus, we've all been kind of quarantining. Finding myself reaching for alcohol come dinner time to alleviate any tension. It helps, but I don't feel great about it. Um, help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like I know that you've got that's a lot going on, and I hope he's okay obviously you kind of know that alcohol is not going to help so I think even rationalizing that with yourself I mean one you've said it out loud here two writing this stuff down like okay I'm stressed in the evening what is going to help like can I do something like something fun with your husband like even if it's like trivial pursuit or I don't know something um and I'll have a nice meal and then maybe I'll get out of the kitchen or get out of the normal situation where there is wine or alcohol and I'm a, I think I've been thinking about this more and more actually, and I'm quite a big advocate now. And that there is definitely a line, but this is what I've been thinking about. Like, where is that line versus you and your tendencies versus a situation or an environment that you put yourself in? And like, how much of it is situational? And environmental and how much of it is the person and obviously it's the combination of the two right because you could like there could be glasses of wine around me and I'm not interested in it because I don't like wine whereas the same environment for someone else they might find that really hard to resist but if there was no wine you wouldn't drink it right like if if you haven't put yourself in a situation where there is wine you wouldn't drink it and I know that seems like avoidance and I think there's a line between avoidance and just not setting yourself up for failure. Like people who are like, oh yeah, I always 
end up overeating on crisps and it's like why are you buying massive share pack like share bags of crisps and just having them there in your cupboard at really easy access why don't you you know instead of saying I'm never going to have crisps again why don't you just not put them in the most like don't have it as the easiest choice to go to if you want a snack like curate your environment to an extent so think about the environment in which you most likely drink alcohol and if you want to reduce that then how can you change that environment? Or maybe like you only buy wine for the house on a Friday and then you only have it on on the weekend or something. And I think sometimes instead of always looking internally, actually just thinking, okay, how can I practically implement a few things that make the habit that I want to take the easier one and the habit that I want to avoid, like the harder one. And sometimes that's like all it takes. And that also gives you a lot of confidence because part of the reason that people keep going back to these cruxes or like, quote, unquote, I always overeat or I always overdrink is because of that story they're telling themselves. Now, if they can remove that temptation and thus not overdrink, not overeat, then it builds so much confidence in themselves that they're not the problem. It's them times the situation that was the problem. So when they change the environment, change the situation, they realize that, they can not overdrink because it wasn't even an option, or they can not overeat because that would mean having to walk all the way to the shops and go and get this stuff. Like, and then they realize that it's not necessarily that they are the problem. It's the combination of the two. And that then brings the, the amount of confidence that's needed to then be like, yeah, okay, now I can be a lot around loads of wine or loads of food and not overeat because I realize that I am completely possible of that, possible of that, <laughs> capable of that. Um, but a lot of the time we kind of tell ourselves our own story about how this always happens and we can't control ourselves. And then that does become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you're going into a situation telling yourself that you can't not overeat, the freaking high likelihood that you're going to overeat. So the story that you tell yourself is very important as well. And you can create confidence for yourself by like changing your environment a little bit to prove to yourself that it doesn't have to be like that. Um, okay. Yes, can chance just put um nature versus nurture, Emma? Um, you are talking my love language. My degree was in psychology. Yes, exactly that. Like how much of it is nature versus nurture? And it never is. Like people love these absolutes, right? Is it 100 percent nature or is it 100 percent nurture? Like obviously neither. <laughs> Same with genetics. It's like your it's your genetics plus the environment that sometimes causes the problems, not one distinctly from the other. That's why some people in an obesogenic environment don't put on weight and other people do. Like there are elements of like, not just genetics, but just like psychology or human behavior that are multiple things interacting. It's very rarely just one thing. But if you can point out some of the practical things that you can do, like, okay, I've noticed I'm over drinking wine, let's remove that from an easy option for me that's often very very useful oh lauren he's called zachary and he's watching the live with me hi zachary how exciting um kanchan also babe psychology i find the zero percent gordon's pink gym oh gym has been a, a life changer for me because i also have a tendency to reach for alcohol that's a good idea as well like replace it and see actually I think that's such a good test because often you see that it wasn't the alcohol in the alcohol. It was the process of 
sitting down in the evening, relaxing, having a little, like having a drink, slowing down, maybe chatting to your husband or maybe like doing it, whatever the situation is, you often find that's what everything else was, what was bringing comfort and there was alcohol in it, but actually that wasn't the most important part of it. Kerry, yep, you're right. Out of reach, out of mind, I guess. Worry, I'm more of a fun mum after a couple of gin and tonics. <laughs> I can't imagine you being anything less than a fun mum, and I don't think you need alcohol for that. Um, also, you absolutely know you can do it. You just did bloody nine months of no alcohol. So it, you're completely capable. It's completely your choice if you want. And that's the other thing. It's absolutely fine to drink, obviously, but I want you to feel like it's your choice, not like you can't not have it. That's that's the main thing with everything. Like have as much chocolate as you want, as long as you are choosing to have that. And as long as you accept that, that will also mean that you have probably gone over your calories. And that means that you're probably not going to be in a deficit. Fine. If that's an active choice, it's not really a problem. It's when it when you feel like it has a hold over you, that becomes the problem. Okay, Tracy, I'm trying to work out my habits and listening to your podcast while I'm away. I struggle to not eat sweet stuff, so need to manage this when I get back next week, focusing on the things I can. Great. Um, I'm glad that you're doing that. I think, I mean, basically everything we've just spoken about to build your confidence to the point where you're like, oh yeah, I can be around this stuff and it doesn't really bother me. Um, and yeah, just making the, the easy option the one that you want to take. And if you want to have sweet stuff, great, but maybe have it like as a bit of a treat. And this is the other thing, you'll probably enjoy it more. If you're like, oh, I really love pastries, but you know what, I'm having one every day and it's a little bit much. If you cut that back to two a week that you really looked forward to, you would enjoy them 100% more because you'd be like thinking about it and enjoying the build up to it. And the psychology behind that as well is, I can't remember the stats, which is going to make it way less interesting, but it's something like a ridiculously shocking, because I remember being shocked, percentage of the, the joy that you get from an experience is the anticipation of it. So actually the anticipation of this pastry or this amazing meal you're having, or, and most of the research on this was done on going on holiday. And I think it was found that something like 50% of the enjoyment of going on holiday was the build-up, the anticipation, the excitement about going away, which was like quite an, it's an interesting thing to think about. And then they also found that you get just as much joy from a week's holiday than you do from a two-week holiday, which I thought was interesting as well, because, you know, I love the law of diminishing returns. I'm like, oh, if I could just get an, a, enough joy from a week's holiday, why would I ever do two? Um, but I'm slightly strange, so maybe don't take that advice. Can Chan, Portugal is lush. The beaches are beautiful. Getting through security yesterday was great, but the flight was late. Oh, that's annoying. Um, I think I need to, sorry, Tracy, I think I need to remove the treats from the house when I get home because it's that which stops my progress. Cho chocolate definitely controls me. We will get to the point where you control the chocolate that's where we want to get to and actually at some points not having it in the house is probably quite a good thing but not saying this is quite important not saying I can't have chocolate or I can never have it in the house but maybe just for a short period of time like not having it in the house but still eating it while you're out like being like oh do you know what I'm not gonna have it in the house but I really enjoy chocolate so I'm gonna have it 
with a coffee with a friend or something and then you actually enjoy it and you don't overeat it because you're in a situation where you can't overeat it and then again you build that confidence within yourself that oh look I can have one Kit Kat and not overeat the rest of it or I can have like this amount of chocolate and then not go and try and eat whole bars of chocolate out of the fridge because I've stocked up on loads of it and essentially set myself up for failure okay or not failure is quite extreme but set myself up for overeating Victoria hi Emma loving the EC method so much it has really got me past aiming for perfection I've lost weight and I've still got some to lose I'm fitting back into clothes and really can't thank you enough for improving my mentality even when I've struggled with illness, tiredness, sickness, children, stress. Um, first time I've made a live since joining in June. And I have a few questions if you have time. Of course. And I mean, first of all, amazing progress so far. Question one, any tips for reducing sugar in brackets, sweets intake, apart from not having it in the house? I can't seem to resist otherwise, even if a tiny bit here or there. So there are a couple of points I want to make here. One, I'm glad that you've said sugar in brackets sweets because some people demonize sugar at the expense of really important things like fruit. Like, oh my God, fruit has sugar and maybe we should cut it out. No, sugar's not inherently bad, but I would say like additional sugar. So like eating excessive amounts of sweets, probably not a great idea. If you're saying like, and the, the other bit that I kind of want to pull up on is like, I just can't seem to resist otherwise even a, a tiny bit here or there. A tiny bit here or there isn't an issue at all. It probably wouldn't be something I'd let take up a lot of brain power. Like it's absolutely fine to have, like if sweets are the things that you enjoy, like a few sweets here and there now and again, it's clearly not impacting your progress because you're losing weight because you're getting a lot out of this already. Like some people get, I guess, to the point where you are, where they're getting really good results. And like, how can I just make my diet a little bit more perfect? And that's often where people trip up because they're like, huh, I don't think these sweets are adding any real nutritional value, which you're right. They're probably not. So I'll just like, I'll take them out because then my diet will be more perfect. But actually there's the balance between, you know, what's quote unquote optimal or what would be best from like a, a health and physiological perspective. And then also a psychological perspective and enjoying your life and not, you know, it's also not healthy to have really rigid rules around food and that can often lead you from this place where actually you're losing weight you're getting great results you've got great life balance you've made it through stressful situations and then to the point where actually you're obsessing over food and that's then becoming a negative in your life so just be aware that you're like balancing that um in the right way okay um two heading back to work after maternity leave have walked my socks off for 10 months to a very, very sedentary and stressful job, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. plus evenings and two kids. Oh gosh, that is a lot. Tips on finding a new balance, fitting in exercise and steps. I also have MS, so I struggle with energy. Have to prioritize sleep, thanks. Okay. Um, a few things I want you to do. One, write out a normal week and how you're going to fit in exercise it might be that your step count has to come down a little bit which is absolutely fine not a problem like you've probably had a bit of a luxury of time while you've been off work which means that you've been able to get more steps in but realistically now that might not be possible but you can still schedule in okay I've got a 20 minute oh, I don't know like let's say you get whatever you get for lunch and can you use 20 minutes of that to get outside and go for a little walk 
or can you do 20 minutes before work or can you park a little bit further away from work so you can just walk in like it will be the little things just how we're going to implement this into the change in your life and it's absolutely doable but it will take planning like it's not just going to magically slot in because you have far less time which means you're going to have to prioritize things a little bit more and probably focus on like I guess closer to like a minimal effective dose like you can get great results off three 20 minute workouts at home if that's the time that you have like that's what we need to work with so it'll be more about working around your constraints if you have MS as well and you struggle with energy like yes 100% agree with you you need to prioritize sleep as you're going back into work as well please make sure you're keeping and hopefully you're already doing this but like a good log of your energy levels any symptoms that you have how your training has changed how your work life has changed stressful situations all of these things so we can see how things are are linking in and maybe like there'll be weeks where we need to back off the exercise a little bit or reduce the set count a little bit um but that's just life and that's how life changes and we will absolutely work with you to figure out what the next phase will bring so if you want to do a post and just kind of outline that and what what you plan to do the thing is my feedback probably won't be as useful until you've actually tried it and then been like okay I tried this and it wasn't like it didn't work this is what I thought I could do and it didn't work because we don't know until you try it right and I guess this is where people get a little bit hung up on loads of things like all I can give you or all any coach anyone can give you is a like a sensible starting point and then it's about adapting that into your life and your life will change so what was like the best plan for you while you're on maternity leave is completely different to what the best plan for you is while you're working actually we don't really know that until you start practicing it and acting it and being like okay in my head I could get in this many steps but realistically it's turned into this many and in my head I had that one hour for the gym on this day but what I didn't really account for is the fact that life gets in the way and actually that hour turned into 30 minutes so I need a shorter workout blah 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 whatever it is but that's how coaching works right and you might find if you want to create the same deficit but you're doing less activity and less steps and you have less expenditure then to create that same deficit we need to lower your food intake and then how do we go about that and it's not as simple as just cutting calories like it is and it isn't it is as simple as just cutting calories but how you do that will impact how easy it is to stick to those calories so if you're just like i'm just gonna eat the same foods but take out these two things the likelihood is you'll then be quite hungry if you can make some sensible swaps to save you calories that actually your food volume stays very high then maybe it, well definitely it won't have as big an impact on hunger but for some people it doesn't really seem to have almost any at all so you can cut some calories in a sensible way without it really impacting your hunger levels okay um mary hey lovelies just popped on quickly and wanted to say a huge shout out to Emma going solo this round. Thanks, guys. Genuinely, the support. And I can't emphasize enough how helpful the grads have been, like just with little basic stuff, like people being a bit worried at the start and not knowing where to find stuff. And then someone popping in with some reassurance. I also think something weird has happened to my Facebook notifications because yesterday I kept getting loads of tags from like four days ago that I had already replied to. And then that made me worry that I've missed some, but I've updated my Facebook app. So hopefully it's all working, but I'm just 
like if I haven't replied it's not because I'm ignoring you it's because something's happened I've missed it but I've been going through the group on the feed as well even for once I haven't been tagged on so I think that I've caught up with everything I think I think we're good um anyway she says you little superstar and a little late but huge congrats to baby Clemmer uh, well I spoke to Chloe this week and she is doing so well I mean we all knew that she would nail it but she's and she's like absolutely glowing as well I'm like how have you just given birth <laughs> but anyway that's great um Liz I'm in Florence today photographing a wedding tomorrow the venue is one point is one hour 15 minutes from the center of the city so I'm walking there today to get my steps in oh and I'll be indulging in pasta later with no guilt oh that sounds dreamy please do a little collage in the group of what you've been doing uh Laura I love chocolate and so does my hubby so I always buy stuff with nuts in it which I won't eat ah this is good for my hubby so he doesn't suffer and I'm not jealous I get dairy milk little bars for me it's hard to begin with but I manage to just eat one at a time that's so funny imagine if he's like Laura I don't actually really like nuts he's like no sorry but that's <laughs> that's just the way it is you've married me now you only you can only eat chocolate with nuts in um I I remember when I lived at home like my parents only eat dark chocolate so I was never tempted by it in the slightest and they'd have like a little bit after after every meal every meal after dinner um but yeah I was never tempted by that um oh and look this is why I love this group just people chiming in with a great advice like Lauren giving advice on a special mousse for chicken pops oh you guys right okay um oh by the way if anyone wants to know it's called poxclin poxclin mousse worked wonders there you go not an ad Stephanie, hi Emma, I wanted to thank you for this method. I love taking action, but I have to admit I struggle with 100 grams of protein. I'm on 1800 calories and I think I have never eaten that much. I am lactose intolerant, so no high protein yogurt. I add a bit of protein powder to my breakfast and I make oat quote unquote balls to satisfy my sweet tooth that have a bit of protein. Most of, most of the protein bars available here in Belgium seem to have lactose in any tips. Thank you. Um, if you're not a vegetarian or vegan, then it should, you know, it should be completely doable. The one thing, and this is like, I always feel like I don't want to offend people saying this because it's such an obvious tip, but increase the serving sizes of the protein that you're already consuming. Like if you're making these protein oat bowls, that have a bit of protein and can't you just put a bit more protein in those and if you're having chicken for lunch can't you just have like 20 percent more chicken for lunch or if you're having two eggs for breakfast can you have two eggs and then two egg whites or something so you're bumping up the protein content little things like that are probably going to be better than adding in like whole new sources of protein or like a whole nother meal that's high in protein so I would, that would probably be my approach like look at what you're already doing and be like hmm, how can I adapt this to just up the protein a little bit. Um, Victoria, thanks so much, Emma. I'll make a plan, see how it goes, keep a log and reach out for coaching help when I have a couple of weeks under my belt. Perfect. The best advice is always knowing someone has your back for a change. Uh, the best advice is always knowing someone has your back for a change is amazing. I think that's the best part of coaching is knowing someone's like there and wants the best for you and you can reach out. And then I think it's quite like, 
attachment theory where you if you know that you're supported you actually need much less support like clients who feel fully supported by their coaches will actually need less support which is like a kind of weird paradox but if you know someone's always there like I very much think about like I, I had a great upbringing and I very much know that like my parents will always be there no matter what I mean they're, they're old so touch wood but like in a supportive way um and but that's definitely made me rely on them far less because I know that they're there which is like a weird yeah um okay Chrissy is it okay to drink diet drinks e.g Pepsi Max diet cherry seven up oh do you know what diet cherry seven up underrated of the drinks um any reason having one can a day would be bad for you not really no like one can a day fine when people take it too far with like multiple cans a day not a great idea the other thing I would consider one can a day again fine if you are constantly sipping on fizzy drinks it's probably not great for your tooth enamel but aside from that and if you've got healthy teeth it's probably not something you massively need to worry about um yeah so in moderation fine Helen, any advice on boredom and stress eating? This happens mostly at work or right after work. Any habits I can replace with the sacking? Oh, this is a big question. So like, yes, any, like literally anything. I think that's the point is plan something. So don't just get to the point of being bored and thinking, oh, I'm quite hungry. I know I should be doing something else, but like, what could I do? I can't really think of anything to do. Plan it ahead. Like you've done such a good job already. It mostly happens at work or right after work. Okay. If it happens right after work, what, what else could you do right after work? Actually, could that be a great time for you to fit in your gym session? Or could that be a great time for you to go for a walk? Or could that be a great time for you to, I don't know, call a friend, catch up with your parents, like whatever. It could be, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, my, my suggestions are going to be the things that I would do with that time. But as long as you're specific with it, it doesn't really necessarily matter what it is. And it kind of comes back to what we were talking about, like with your environment. If you know that it's not just right after work, but it's also right after work because I sit in the living room, which is attached to the kitchen, which is kind of open plan. And then there's food around. And then I just end up thinking, well, I'll just overeat or I'll just boredom me or I'll have this little snack. That all kind of plays into it. So how can you be like, okay, when I come in from work, I'm actually going to go upstairs to my bedroom and I'm going to listen to a podcast or I'm going to plan for the next day or I'm going to do my evening routine. I'm going to journal or I'm going to call a friend or blah, 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 whatever it might be. I mean, if it's still nice where you are, like go out for a walk or something, just get out of that environment. And I think just changing those habits, like very quickly, just change what you're doing. Like if you had plans that day, then you wouldn't sit and board me. So make your own plans. Don't wait for someone else to make plans for you. So just the planning ahead is going to be a really big part of that. Um, at work is a little bit different because obviously you can't just be like, guys, I'm just going to go for a walk in the middle of work or like, yeah, now's my journaling time. Um, <clears throat> but I would either change the snacks that you have so like if it's like fruit or something, not half as um, caloric and actually potentially a bit of a benefit. Also make sure you've got a bottle of water with you at all times. 
because sometimes you're just like if it's literally border meeting it, it you can kind of entertain yourself with drinking some water especially if you have a little sucky thing like this it makes it a lot more enjoyable so i'd highly recommend that um and again thinking about your environment like if you're leaving like snacks in your on your desk at your office or something like trying to avoid things like that would be an, an easy way like if you don't bring snacks to work then you can't eat the snacks I know that there might be other people bringing snacks in but that is a bit of a general rule or even just being like okay I'm only going to snack on fruit at work that would make it a bit easier as well um Karen when will the next live be where where do you post it um it will be so it's always posted in the Facebook group oh where do I post when the next live will be I'm gonna try and keep them to 9 a.m Mondays and Fridays next Friday might have to move because I have um an expo it will almost definitely have to move so probably next week will be Monday and Thursday but I will post that in the in the Facebook group so everybody knows but um, generally for this round and because it's a little bit easier because it's just me and Chloe um to just get one person's diary to sync up not not two I'm gonna try and keep them to 9am Monday and Friday but obviously you can always listen back on the podcast or watch live in the group afterwards or not live in the group watch the video in the group that won't then be live and if you're worried about asking questions remember I have the question post here which I am now up to date with and I'm also going to put got to here so I remember okay I do oh gosh um I do procrastinating I do procrastinating I eat to avoid doing the hard jobs at work <laughs> oh, oh sorry I was like I just read that as actual procrastinating procrastinating but it's actually procrastinating I get it yeah, yeah yeah and then you say well I used to now I try hard to stop doing that and just do the work well you know it could be a good productivity hack for you as well um Right, last question. Louise, my head is so full with family, work, gym, uni work. I feel I'm constantly making plans in every aspect of life. Like I have all of these plates spinning. Do you have any words of wisdom to try and organize, to try to organize to simplify food tracking and the gym planning? I feel like I have hit a wall and consistency is waning. Okay, do you need to track calories would probably be my first question. Like I... If you've been doing it for a while, you probably don't need to. Back to the analogy I always talk about, which is like if you have been driving to the same location again and again with the sat nav on, you don't need the sat nav anymore because you know where you're going. Very similar with food tracking. Like if you if you can eyeball things and know roughly the calories in them, you probably don't need to be tracking. And if that's taking up a lot of time and headspace for you, then I would stop doing it re-gym planning I'm not sure what you mean about the planning part unless it's just planning when you can go but this is one of the good things about having a coach who's programmed your workouts you don't really need to think about it you just go in and you do what's programmed and then that's taking up again less brain energy for you but I would think about maybe and one way to reduce tracking or like to do it in a way that's like less psychologically taxing Wow, there's a lot of banging going on. Um, 
would be just to like have a note in your phone and write I think the window just shut <laughs> doesn't sound smart <laughs> sure it'll be fine yeah it's to open up like a notes tab in your phone and instead of like putting everything into my fitness pal and worrying about it just be like okay realistically breakfast was about 350 calories cool put that in and lunch was about 600 calories great put that in then I had a snack that was 250 calorie protein bar cool put that like just log it like that so it's taking up way less brain energy is it less accurate yes is calorie tracking inaccurate anyway yes and you'll probably still get excellent results doing that like you don't need everything perfect I spoke about this on Instagram someone asked me how people would know if they're in a deficit if they're not tracking everything it's like how do you think people lost weight before my fitness pal they just ate less they didn't know exactly how much less but you don't need to know exactly how much less so that would probably be what I would try give it a try for a couple of weeks and then let me know how you find um how you find that okay guys I'm gonna go um do you want to say bye <laughs> Bye, Bye. <laughs>